A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, chapter 2, beginning at the first verse. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes, Of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea. For so it was written by the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men, and learn from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star, that they had seen at its rising until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chests, they offered him gold, frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream, not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. This is the gospel of the Lord. May what I share be in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Would you please be seated? Well, New Year is a time when we focus on new beginnings fresh starts, personal goals, and looking forward. It's a time of celebration that closes out what we've come to know culturally as the festive season, giving us at least a day to recover from the metaphoric or actual hangover before we have to focus on getting back to business, whatever our business might be. I don't know how you felt this year, but New Year just didn't seem to feel quite right for me. It's a little hard to properly focus on new beginnings, fresh starts, personal goals, looking forward, celebration and being festive when large parts of our country are on or at risk of fire. Australians are showing unfathomable bravery and compassion by serving, supporting and protecting lives and livelihoods, many putting their own lives at risk and many, it seems, losing them. It is clear that for many, 2019 was a very hard year and as it begins, 2020 seems to promise 
more of the same. So how do we respond? Thank our lucky stars that it's not us. Pop another cork and crack another beer and try and forget about it for a while. Into this reality, the church now enters the season of epiphany. Well, actually, we've come a day early. Technically, it's tomorrow. And for the traditionalists and purists among you, your Christmas tree should be up at least until tomorrow. The etymology and definition of the word epiphany is to show up or to show on or to show out. But before we look at how today's readings and the season of Epiphany can help us respond to the world in which we find ourselves living, I want to talk about Australia's most hated man. No, I'm not referring to a politician. I'm talking about Nick Kyrgios. The persona we are presented with, with both his off and on-court antics, how he is reported on in his press conferences and in the media, would have us believe that we have one of the most self-obsessed and self-focused humans in Nick Kyrgios. Just before Christmas, I saw some footage comparing the press conferences of Nick Kyrgios with Ash Barty, with Ash being incredibly humble and thankful for all her support and acknowledging the incredible hard work that goes into her tennis, whereas Nick seemed to just care about having a good time and turning up when he felt like it. I heard someone say that you reveal the true character of a person when they are confronted with the reality that the world does not revolve around them. Perhaps we are beginning to see Nick Kyrgios's true character emerge, or perhaps he is maturing, but in the last few days, he has shown real compassion, emotion, and genuine care and concern for those impacted by the fires in Australia. He has used his profile to draw attention to their plight, as well as selflessly donating $200 per ace across the whole summer of tennis, which will probably add up to much more than his last fine for bad behaviour. On Friday, after his first match of the summer, he'd raised $4,000 to begin his generosity. Like him or loathe him, in this instance, you can't help but feel impressed by these actions. He has most definitely shown up in the midst of the trouble. Through his words, his actions and his example, he's putting the right kind of show on. And his focus has been on something other than himself. And in this way, he has shown out probably for the first time that Australia has witnessed. As we look towards the world that we live in, with fires and drought heading a very long list of national issues that confront and disturb us, 
And as we look further into our world, that seems to be becoming increasingly less stable. What type of character will emerge from the church? What would the world we live in be expecting from us? And most importantly, what is God calling us to? What is our epiphany? How will we show up, show on, and show out? In today's Gospel reading, King Herod was confronted with the reality that the world did not revolve around him. When the Magi advised him that they had come to worship another king. In Matthew's telling of this account, we see the first and the most important action that we are called to when faced with a world in whatever state it might be. We must worship. It is the sole purpose of the Magi's journey. We have come to pay him homage. Homage also translates as bow down or simply worship. Worship is the regular act in community and the daily act through our personal prayer and actions of decentering ourselves from the center of our own universe. It is both bad for ourselves and for our neighbor when we are the center of our own universe. I know many of us like the worship style to be of their taste, the sermon to be challenging enough and not too long, but not so long or so challenging for us to become uncomfortable. We also like the songs and the way that they are presented to be of our personal preference. But these things should never become our purpose or our motivation for worship. They should never become a barrier to worship either. Worship is the act of constantly always putting God back at the center of our universe and the center of the universe and doing it in such a way that we become aware and, atur- and turn away from ourselves and towards our neighbor. When we put ourselves at the center, it can sometimes seem like we're doing the right thing for the right reason. But when God is not at the center, it is also so easy to slip into self-righteousness, which is really self-idolatry or worship of self. I'll help because it makes me feel good or it appeases my guilt. I won't get involved because it's someone else's turn or it's someone else's responsibility. I won't turn up because I don't like the way they do it anymore. 
our Old Testament passage serves much more than providing a historical context of the gifts that the Magi bring. The first verse of this passage reads, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. I wonder if you've ever wondered with this familiar passage who that you, that the prophet is referring to, actually is. In this case, the you in the original Hebrew is written in the feminine singular. Not because the prophet had a particular woman in mind, but this was the convention of how you referred to a city. In this case, the prophet was referring to the city of Jerusalem, which was at that time devastated and in ruin. The city was more than just a city when you were referring to Jerusalem. It was representative of the whole people of God, which also at that time was devastated and in ruin. When we reflect on God's glory, particularly in times of devastation and ruin, when we worship, we become radiant. It might seem counterintuitive. Why don't we just forget about wasting our time with the worship and get about doing stuff that makes things better? Well, verse 4 goes on to say, Lift up your eyes and look around. They all gather together. They come to you. These passages and the season of Epiphany remind us that the outcome of worship is that we lift up our eyes and look around and realise that despite the devastation and ruin we may see, even despite at other times the abundance and the prosperity that we may see, the people of God are called to shine. And we do that by serving, supporting, caring, loving, encouraging, humbling ourselves and turning outwards to engage our world. Without worship, too often we turn inwards, even if in the first instance we might look to help another. Without worship, we don't develop a habit, a pattern, and a default of looking up and then looking out. If you don't feel like you look outward enough, it's like, quite likely that you're not worshipping enough. And I don't mean turning up to church services. I mean that deliberate act, that regular act, in community and in daily action through personal prayer, of decentering ourselves from the centre 
of our own universe and centering on God. I do hope that we don't just leave it up to the likes of Nick Kyrgios to show up, to show on, and to show out. I pray that we would truly begin our year in desperate, passionate, and selfless worship in the knowledge that Christ came for us so that we can go to others. Amen.